Hey friend, and welcome to Feminine Magic. It's Michelle. And this is Alexa, and we're the co-conduits of Femme, flourishing feminine founders. Our intention with this podcast is to unleash the true magic of divine feminine energy. Awakening the divine feminine within us is for all people. We will learn to integrate our natural, healthy, masculine, and feminine energies in our businesses, life, and relationships. Feminine magic is the key to authentic alignment within ourselves, others, and the human collective. It's time to step into a life where you truly flourish. Welcome back to another episode of the Feminine Magic Podcast. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of introducing you to one of my dear friends, longtime mentor, Karul Agarwal. She's an executive coach, business strategist, and managing partner at FNB Plus. Karul, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. Um, and I know we just spent a few minutes talking about the direction we want this conversation to go. So let's just we'll dive right in. We'll kick it off. Could you first share a little bit about your, your work experience and a little bit about your life? Absolutely. Um, so I grew up in a first-generation Asian um, family. So I am the first, my brother and I are the first that uh, grew up in the U.S. And growing up with Asian parents, uh, there's a lot of around obedience and education and expectation. And so foundationally, that's a lot of how I see the world. And so from there, growing up and getting jobs and finding my place has been an interesting journey because it's like a dichotomy between where I'm from and where I want to go. And um, as part of that evolution, a lot of my passion has come back to a lot of the roots of actually what my parents have taught me, which is about being a good human and trying to help other people find a light in other people. So what I mean by that is there's so much that happens in our world and to be able to be a part of a positive conversation or to impact people in a positive way, it's what I really look for. And I know it's something that my, my family is really passionate about. But through that journey, I have learned all the things that uh, show up in a good way and all the things that don't show up in a good way. And so it's led me through a corporate experience. I've worked for big brands like Subway and McDonald's. Um, I've met some phenomenal people. I've met some people that are less than um, phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, those Um, people are lessons. (laughs) That's how I'm going to look at it. Uh, But it's one of those things that like, there's like this almost filter system that relationships go through and it helps me decide what comes next for me professionally, personally, et cetera. So um, all of that is to say I've done the corporate thing. Um, I started my own business about three years ago because I was getting to a point where I was working way too many hours and it was um, challenging for me because what mattered to me was being the part that had to take the brunt of um, the less amount of time that I had to give them. So starting my own business allowed me to do what I love, be around and work with people that I love to be around and work with and spend the time with the people that um, deserve my time. So it's been um, an amazing journey, but I'm grateful to be where I am today talking to you. Yes. I love what you just said, the people that deserve your time, because I think a lot of times um, we get in our own way, right? Especially if we're not getting through to people or we're not getting the right type of attention sometimes within a specific relationship or conversation, whether it be work or personal life, 
we kind of like lean in more and we're like, why isn't that working? Why isn't this energizing when really we do have a choice who we surround ourselves with? What made what what made that shift in your mind? Because I know I know what a giving and loving person you are. So that must have been hard to pull back your energy from people where it wasn't working. Um, you're gonna make me cry. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's the truth. I got to a place, Michelle, where it was either I continue to put myself in a position that was painful and hurtful for me, mm-hmm. or I realized that what I'm teaching my children, what I'm teaching other people around me is that it's okay to treat people that way. And so by surrounding myself with people that deserve my time, that want my time, um, as much as it was a difficult shift, I think it came a lot easier than I thought it would once I put my mind to the fact that I'm worthy. I'm worthy of being around positive people. I'm worthy around um, being able to make the choice of what's right for me. So it was a difficult decision because it was one of those things in life where you don't really know what the issue is until you, it just kind of happens. Yeah. But um, there were so many, I mean, there's a gazillion examples I have to represent all those times that I should have said, no, you're not worth my time or no, this is not worth my energy. But instead, um, it finally, you hit a, almost like a breaking point where you're like, what's it? Yeah. And you have to raise your standards and that process is kind of like pulling teeth or pulling a bandaid off, but but it's key because if you don't do it for yourself, no one's going to do it for you. No, it's true. And I think that as we evolve as people, things happen in our lives, you know, whether or not you choose to get married, whether or not you choose to have kids, all these things, they affect how you see the world. And so I feel very grateful that I can step back and look at all the things in my life that have helped me pivot from where I was because all these exciting things have happened. And I will give much credit to both my, my husband and my kids Um, because Mm -hmm. I don't want them to grow up thinking that they're not worthy and that they have to be around people who don't want their time or don't respect them the way that they should. So to be a good example is the only way that I know people can learn, mostly as a child. So it has made me pivot. Like, no, that's not how I'm going to spend my time because I want my daughter to know it's okay to be like, yeah, peace out, Cub Scout. Like, I don't have time for that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I want her to be able to see it's okay. So yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing um, just as a woman to be able to look at, you know, whether it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, it's people are people, but just being able to have the difficult conversation about, yeah, uh, I don't think I can do this because I don't think that I'm the right person to be in this conversation with whoever it may be. And you find a way to extricate yourself. Yeah, I really, I love that you made it about being an example because when it comes to doing it for for oneself, which we're worthy of doing that and we should do it for just ourselves. It's sometimes harder, but adding the layer of being an example to your daughter and your son and showing them that they are worthy, like that to me is a whole other, it's making me kind of, I don't have kids yet, of course, um, besides a few companies, but (laughs) it's a little different. Um, But yeah, what example are we going to be to the people around us, right? If we allow people to act in a lack of integrity or mistreat us or um, not value our time and energy, then we're really just not, we're also not, we're not honoring that person either by, by just allowing them to continue doing that. I, I completely agree. And, and there's moments where I can see it, Michelle, so I can't wait till you have kids because like your kids are going to be rock stars. <laughs> um, your kids can play with my kids. How's that? Um, but that. <laughs> I see my daughter and my son do things sometimes 
it's mind blowing because I would love to be able to take credit for it, but I can't. I mean, I know that I gave them about, you know, some of the foundational thought process or hopefully they can watch their, their dad and I and see things. But sometimes even in their young age, they do things that's absolutely like, see, this is what good humans look like. That's what a good person would do. And it's sometimes I just, I don't even know because it wouldn't be the reaction I would have. Yet they have that reaction because they have such a sense of self. It's just different. That's beautiful. Yes. It's funny because so many of our formative memories happen by age five. And then we learn all these things and have an immense amount of experience in life. And then we get older and we come to a place where we have to unlearn some of the crap that is now <laughs> cemented onto us as human beings and almost revert back to our childlike nature to an extent, right? But with the lessons and emotional intelligence that we gather along the way, but oh goodness, it's, it's a process. <laughs> You know, it is. And I, I love our society. Uh, you know, I can't really say that about a lot of things, but I can say that in this space, I love our society where um, so many things that I grew up that wasn't okay. You didn't talk about this. You didn't um, stand up in a certain way if you were under the age of 20 something. Um, I love seeing our kids be able to do that. I mean, yeah. my son is 12 and he has such a vocal opinion on so many things that I know when I was 12, my dad would have been like, zip it. Like nobody wants to hear that because that's not my place, but it is their place. And I feel like societally we've allowed that, which I love. So um, there is glimmers of hope in our future, mostly when you meet some of these kids, but I think it's a, a function of how we show them the good parts about being adults and, and what it means to stand up for yourself. And whether you're a woman or a man, it doesn't matter. Just being around people who um, value who you are for whatever it is that you're there to offer them in that moment. Yeah. And probably in, in motherhood and in work environments and relationships in general, we touched on this with communication. You and I did a bit before where I think it's, it's our place to just honor people and allow them to come to their truth because it's going to be likely different than ours. And this takes me right now at the beginning of October. So you know, it takes us to the political debate and everything that's happening. It's, it's all over Facebook. It's all over the news. It's all over the conversations that people are having when they see each other. And I think one of the, one of the worst parts of it is that people are trying to convince others to have the same views rather than just stand up and say, this is what I believe and have a high level conversation where you invite someone else to share their opinion too, because that's really the only way that we grow. I completely agree. And um, like, for example, with the debate, this was the first time I let my son, I mean, cause he's old enough now, he wanted to watch and he was watching and I don't think I've ever seen somebody so completely baffled. He was like, what's happening? Why are they <laughs> talking like that? did he just tell her to shut up like it was it was it was interesting to see through a, a younger person's eyes who's new to politics and that whole yeah. concept but what I remember looking at him and saying I was like honey this is exactly how it's not supposed to be to have a debate oh, in a respectful perfect. way is is an opportunity for people to say why they believe what they believe but in a in a space that's allowable you're allowed to say what you think. You're allowed to have an opinion. And it could be completely polar opposite from someone else. But that doesn't mean the other person's wrong. It just means that you believe in your truth. Like you said, like, this is my truth. Yeah. And so I said, what they're doing is not a debate. And I said, so everybody can have an opinion on that as well. I'm sure 
Facebook <laughs> has different opinions of it, but it wasn't a debate because a debate to me is respectful and yeah. it allows people to speak their, their truth. And in a way that isn't about changing someone's mind, it's about either validating it or giving you cause for pause. Be like, hmm, let me think for a minute. Let me reflect on what he just said or she just said. But I said, that's not what this is. So it was disappointing in that way. It was. It's uh, it's watching two people on national television go for the jugular. And I hate to say, I'm going to share my opinion. My opinion right now is that many people are voting against who they don't want in office rather than who they actually do want in office. And it's very sad that that's the system that this is the place that we have come to because it would be really refreshing to see someone up on the stands that that kept their composure that didn't go at the other person and berate them or demean them or disrespect them because do we really want someone that is verbally disrespecting someone on national or worldwide television running our country that's such a crazy concept um completely and it's it's um you're right. Like this is this conversation isn't about like what side we're on, but I would just be grateful to have somebody that in my mind I could stand and debate for because I'm 100 percent or even 85 percent behind who they are and what they're trying to stand for. And it's disappointing that you know we're in an environment where that's not the case. We don't have that. So I have an idea. Are you ready for this? I think you should do a little bit more politicking and then you should run because oh, I, <laughs> but see, like, it sounds funny, but someone like you, like, you know, the Michelle Obamas of the world, like, it would just be amazing to have somebody in office that you're like, I, I can get behind this person. Like I get what they're saying and they, their opinion isn't based on selfish, you know, perspective. It's on worldly generosity and thought, which I yeah. think is very different than what we have. Well, I'm excited to see who does come to office. I don't think I would, just for the sheer amount of gray hair in four to eight years, I don't know if I am <laughs> ready for something like that, but I appreciate the compliment and and I do. I want to set the intention right now on this podcast um, and I want to call in a really fantastic leader for one of our two parties in the next, in the next election. And not to berate, I mean, both candidates make good points to an extent, right? But just the way that it, it, it just, it, I felt wretched get, at the end of that debate, shutting off the TV. It just didn't feel great. I, I wasn't inspired. I wasn't like, I wasn't excited. I was, I was pretty disgusted actually. And it's really sad that that's what's at the forefront, no matter, no matter which side you're on and what you believe. And actually for me, it's strange because all of my views aren't even, I, I would call myself, I'm putting air quotes up, right? I'm libertarian because uh, on the business side, I'm more Republican, but socially I'm, I'm completely liberal and there's no one up there representing me. Uh, or rep there, there is a libertarian party, but for them to come into power is gonna take a long time. And I, I have to say a lot of my friends, they share that type of view and we're not really represented and that's, that's a scary thing. I mean, it's a, I mean you're, the way you feel is absolutely, um, it echoes through everything that I am. So whether I'm one or the other, it depends on the circumstance. So I'm in a similar situation. Like it depends on what the topic is sometimes. Um, but there tends to be a way that the pendulum swings for me in the last few years, maybe 10 years. I don't know if there is a pendulum anymore. So <laughs> I don't know which way it should swing. 
but um, it would be nice to have somebody um, making decisions for our world on our behalf here in the U.S. that made me feel like they have our back and they yeah. have the right things in mind. And, you know, what was also interesting is as a coach, like I dissect conversations in different ways than maybe other people. But as a coach, it was very disheartening that people of that magnitude of knowledge and skill and experience in their lives couldn't talk to each other in a way that allowed for uh, respect and um, opposing thought and it, it just reminds me, I'm like, you know, they could use a coach. That's what they I was could. saying. <laughs> they could totally use a coach. Can you imagine if, if one person, this is something that I learned in communication in general, right? If someone raises their voice at you, the best thing you can do is almost whisper when you speak back because then they're going to quiet down to listen to you. And I know a debate is different because you want to be heard. But could you imagine if someone threw like a slur your direction and you were just like, I don't know. What if, what if someone actually responded in a surprising way? There was no moment that was like, that would have been really, that would be interesting to have someone with a high level of emotional intelligence debating and dealing with slurs coming their way, because I think it would almost elevate a person that can, that can send that type of calm energy throughout that experience, because there totally was none of that. And, and that's exactly what I was looking for. And I was hoping that my son would get to see. I mean, again, I knew the people that were going to be on that stage, but in general, with politics, with anything, I want I want to be able to show my kids like this is how to be and this is how not to be. And then mm-hmm. you decide where in the middle you fit, right? Yeah. And it was just tough to be in a situation where I'm like, this is how not to be both ways. Um, so <laughs> this is how I don't have an example of how to be. Um, <laughs> But um, it was, it, it's interesting. So I just, like I said, like just even from the role I play in my profession, just to see people allow other people to have an opinion, it, it's, it's interesting how much that wasn't allowed and something that we would call a debate. So mm-hmm. I, I, I put that out there too, the way you're putting out there, you know, a good candidate in the future. I would love it to be somebody who has the respect and wherewithal to understand that they don't know everything. And it's okay to be willing to listen to someone else and then decide what's best for you or depending on your role, best for the country. Um, but I don't, I don't know when we're going to get that. So I'm going to keep. Uh, yeah, but we just set the intention it. and you and I are very, we're powerful, powerful people. So hopefully, and whoever's listening to this, please set the same intention. <laughs> <laughs> We need, we need people to put out that frequency into the world. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know you touched a little bit on kids and motherhood. I was wondering if you could dive into that a bit more because I just, I have, I don't even know how long we know each other at this point. It doesn't matter. It feels like lifetimes, <laughs> to be honest. This isn't the first, um, but I just, I respect the way that you you parent, like when I think about you, I think about you as this amazing woman in business, but then also this amazing mother. And you didn't, you didn't pick between the two. And oftentimes um, there are work scenarios where women feel like they need to pick or um, they feel like they, well, you kind of, you get the direction that I'm going with for this. So what, what has, how, how have you done it? What has it been like? What, what are some tips that you have the process because it's really I'm humbly grateful for your your opinion because uh, there's definitely days where I question do I suck at this because I I think I do um 
So thank you for saying that. I think that there's a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, I know kids, to me, my opinion personally, is that they live what they see. So if, you know, when you are given this gift of children, whether you had them or you were um, able to adopt them or whatever it may be, there, it's like there, this canvas that you can help them figure out what is their painting. And it, it's not something I do um, consciously sometimes, Michelle, it just, it is. I remember being a kid and I remember being frustrated by so many things, A, because of my cultural expectations, um, just, you know, like I said, the, the expectation of obedience and things like that, which are, are fine and it's to some degree, but I wanna make sure that when I'm working with my kids, that when they leave our house to go to college, that they have in their arsenal all the things they need to figure out exactly who they're gonna be. And it doesn't mean it has to be like me or their dad or their grandparents or anything else, but I've given them exposure to the truth. So the truth is, is I am a person and I make mistakes. And so when I screw up, I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at a seven-year-old and going, you know what, that was wrong. Her, I, my, my son is five years older than my daughter and he's very, very protective. And he's the most amazing big brother I think anybody could ever mm -hmm. ask for. And she's very headstrong. So she's always like, stop telling me what to do. I don't even <laughs> tell them what to do. And it's really cute. But um, they went to bed and she got up and asked him if he had any water in his room. And he said, no. And my husband and I do date nights on Friday since COVID. Like we put them to bed and then we oh. watch movies and stuff together. Oh, so they know that's the one night that they're not supposed to come down and, you know, do the no annoying kid thing. Like, oh, I'm thirsty. I want this. So she comes downstairs and she's like in tears. I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, I want water. And I'm like, why are you crying about it? Go get water. She's like, well, because my brother said I couldn't have it. And I was like, your brother said you can have water. He's like, yeah, he said, don't bother you. And so I handed her a cup, the one I was drinking from. And I said, here, just, um, just if he says, where'd you get it from? Just say that mom asked me if I wanted water and gave it to her. So she went upstairs and I thought about it. And this is a silly story because it's so small. But all night long, it was bothering me. And I, I woke up and asked my husband, I said, you know, I think I just taught our daughter the wrong thing. I taught her that it's okay to go around the conversation instead of addressing it head on. Like she should have just said to her brother, yeah, I hear you, I'm getting some water. But instead I gave her excuses to go back and lie about the situation as it happened. And so in the morning I talked to her and I said, look, I made a mistake. I gave you bad advice. Sometimes, mm -hmm people give you bad advice. And that was what I did. And she's like, why? Because you told me to lie to my brother. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks for calling me on that. <laughs> I thought about it too. It kind of bothered me because I don't think I should have to lie to him because we're a family. And I said, you're right. You don't. So tell him like it is. And if he doesn't like it, you have to decide if you're okay with that or not. Um, but I was wrong. And so in my head, my husband was like shaking his head. He's like, you know, no Indian mother in the whole wide world would ever really say that. And I was like, well, they should. We should, it's okay to say you're wrong and yeah. say I'm sorry, because otherwise I'm going to let her go through life with that mistake, thinking that you should lie to people that you love because you don't want to like look them in the face and tell them the truth. No, that's not okay. So again, I don't, it's not because I, I get it right. It's because I just remember thinking as a kid, I wish my parents would have clarified that for me or shown mm -hmm. me how. And to me, to be a good person means you accept the good and the bad. And so I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Mm. And she's, and she's okay with it because I was willing to own it. If I would have just moved on a, she would have probably continued to build on that. But then B there's a part of her that's always going to know that I gave her advice to lie to somebody. 
Yeah, I don't want her to have that perception. So I know it's a really long explanation. No, it's a but beautiful story. And actually, I think you took it. How old is she? Like five, six now? She's seven. Seven, <laughs> seven. Okay. First of all, it's amazing that you're having this type of conversation with a seven-year-old. Um, I think you took it to a whole other level because you just taught her that it's it's important to own up to something when it's your place to own up to it. So that's another layer. Um, and I think you taught her vulnerability. Yeah, I mean, I would rather my kids grow up and be proud of me the way that I want to be proud of them yeah. versus them growing up and having all these doubts and questions about my thought process or my morals or values. And I know this is a small example, but it would only build from here. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an example of, you know, being able to show up as a mom for me is more about just being real. So I joke and play. I think I'm, I'm actually like a 12 year old sometimes myself. <laughs> My son has to be like, mom, chill out because I get so excited and hyper, but it's because I, I love being around them and I don't think I have to hide it because I'm an adult. It's okay. It's okay to play Legos. It's okay to run around in a circle because those were all things I wish my parents would have done with me. And yeah. it's bad. It just means that they didn't find comfort in the fact that that was either who they were or were who they weren't. For me, it's who I am. So my husband and I, I think sometimes there's going to come a point where my son has to take over the parenting. (laughs) (laughs) My brother is like that for our family. I totally get it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because they make, you know, my husband makes jokes. I'm like, you do know that your son's 12, right? He's like, yeah, but he's a boy. It's okay. Or she, you know, she's young. She's going to hear it someplace else. I'd rather them hear it here. I'm like, we're talking about body sounds. Can we not talk about that? (laughs) great so um yeah but I don't know if the answer is like your question I I don't know how to have both there's definitely moments where I think if I didn't do the parenting thing like if I decided not to have kids or you know the universe decided I wasn't going to you know there's probably a really high ceiling I could have kept you know rising to in the corporate space because I'd be willing to give up all that time to dedicate it to my work but I'm grateful that that's not the path that I'm on because there's mm-hmm. so much more in life that one day when I'm laying on my deathbed, I know it's not going to matter how many hours I worked or how many gold stars I earned, you know, by my boss. It's going to be the fact that I'm surrounded by people I love and that they're good people and they're going to make people who are great people. And like, it's just going to be, that's what it's going to matter to me. So I, I keep reminding myself that, that that's yeah. what it's going to be about. But also, Pearl, you are super successful in what you do and the projects you work on and the people you work with. I mean, it's like you don't have to pick between one or the other. You can have both. I I remember uh, one of my exes, he used to say, you can have it all, just not at the same time. I love that. That's so true. And you're right. I do. I'm very, I don't know if bless is the right word or universally, um, you know, I have glitter. I don't know, but <laughs> there's people I work with that blow my mind. I mean, I just have a client who was just named um, like a power woman for mainline, like things like that. It's not because I think that I have anything to do with it. It's because I get to be around her and I get to be in the presence of greatness in a different way. So to be able to say I'm someone's coach that is already great. It's, it's such a, it, I feel so humbled and so honored to be able to do it. So yeah, I, I definitely feel like the success for me wasn't about a dollar. Um, it was always about making a difference. And I feel like that's exactly what I get to do with these people that I work with because 
they're supposed to work with me for some reason. It's just, it's, there's something yeah. there. So, I, yeah, I think it, it gets to the level of, uh, I don't mean to get too ethereal, but soul <laughs> contracts, right? Like sometimes we come across people and we're instantly drawn to them. Sometimes it leads to friendship. Sometimes it leads to marriage. Sometimes it leads to one coffee and that's it. Um, but there's something that we notice about people and it's important to lean in and understand why. And I mean, when you said you're in the presence of greatness, whoever you work with is also in the presence of greatness because you are absolutely great and elevating and just such a supporting energy. It's, it's always been such a pleasure to, to talk things through with you. Like you uplift the people around you and that's why they want to work with you. Well, thank you for saying that. I think it's back to that whole piece around light. I think everybody has it, whether or not they wish to show it is up to them. Mm -hmm. But as a coach, my job is to help people find their light. Because if you're a leader, people are looking to you to follow. They want to follow you. But if you don't have light that guides away, like how are they supposed to follow you? So I feel like my job as a coach isn't to be like, let me ask you these tough questions that make you go home and cry. It might make you cry because I'm really honest. You know that, Michelle. I kind of say it like it is. <laughs> sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not. But it's because I care about them finding their happiness. And I want them to be able to be the leader at the top of the mountain when they turn around. The army of people behind them just keeps on going and going because they've made such a difference in the path that they forge. And I feel like the type of coach I strive to be is one where I'm walking right beside them. Mm -hmm. reminding them that it's okay you just fell down come on get back up it's going to be all right keep going or um yes that person really does suck and they're not a nice person so how are you going to get around it what do you need to do to keep moving forward so that they aren't the reason that you stop your you know um, mount to the top of the hill like you you deserve to get there so what are we going to do to get there so that's to me um how i base my business it's, it's not about um let me be your coach for six months Honestly, I don't really want clients like that. The mm -hmm. clients I have, they've been with me for years already. And it's because they know I'm going to walk on that path with them. And when they win, when, like my, uh, one of my clients just got an award, like it makes me feel so, I don't know. I just, I feel so much joy because I know that they're creating such a strong path for people to follow. Wow. Oh, that is some powerful stuff. I think when it comes to light, so all of us, right, all of us are, uh, I like to think of it this way, it's an opinion, but spiritual beings having a human experience. And part of that is taking the energy of the universe and sharing it with the world. And when we blast light into the world, it's painful for us too, because our own darkness floats up. The crap, the discomfort, the lessons, the, the shadow parts of self, they all start to float up. And we have to deal with those. And the more light that we bring down, the more of those pieces float up for us. So I think coaching is imperative for that piece. And um, I know sometimes like people don't understand why they should spend the time, energy or finances on something like that. But, but the truth is we really do need people cheering us on no matter what's happening. Like we're going to have difficult moments and we're going to have beautiful moments and we need people to hold us up in both of them. We need to celebrate with people and we need to cry with people and we need to brainstorm with people. So I just think, um, I value coaching on a whole new level than I, than I have in the past. Well, um, I'm glad you're a convert. That's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, you're right. We all need cheerleaders. And, and I think that when you're in a position 
on a stage at a debate, if you're um, running a huge company, a small company, a company of one, it doesn't really matter. It, the, the point is, is that everybody needs someone cheering for them because it's just part of who we are. And the cheering doesn't mean pom-poms and, you know, your name across somebody's, you know, chest. It means that somebody's there to be like, it's going to be okay. You know what? Like that pitfalls happen or situations, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to rise up? And I think that there were definitely moments in my life where I wish I would have had that, where um, I know that it, it helped me to become who I am now, but I, I, I really hope that both my kids find people in their lives as friends or, you know, significant others, that that's what they do. They cheer for them and help them through their journey because, you know, to your point, I think we're all, we all have light and it can be painful to put out there sometimes. Sometimes because someone's holding up a mirror where they reflect it back, which is beautiful. Sometimes they're holding up a black sheet and it just completely absorbs it and you're left with less energy. So finding people in your life that you feel will reflect it back to you in some way, I think it's also really important to be knowing that you're worthy of that. You're worthy of that light coming back to you in a different way. Mm, yeah, I love that. I feel like what a common theme here is worthiness. Absolutely. It's, it's an uphill battle for, for many people because we have that darkness, that voice in our head that tells us like, you're not good enough or you don't deserve this. Or maybe that voice came from within. Maybe it's something that we heard when we were kids and we took a certain way emotionally. Um, so there's a lot of undoing there and re- remapping certain connections within our brain to understand our true worthiness and to step into it. And when we claim our worthiness, I think part of that is also showing people that they should claim theirs too. Absolutely. You couldn't, I mean, perfectly said, Michelle, it's exactly how I feel. Hmm. So I wanted to also talk to you about the evolution of womanhood, um, adaptability and multitasking, all of those different aspects and what it's like to go from you know, being a child and a girl into becoming, um, we'll say like a woman or a grown up. I guess this will apply to people. It's it's not particularly gender related, but but a bit it is. Like I've only started really calling myself a woman. I really feel like a woman within the past like year or two. Before that, there was still an aspect that was like I'm a girl, but I'm in my upper twenties, so that feels weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> so what is that distinction? <laughs> You know, at first it's the one that you made, right? Where you realize that when you look at yourself in the mirror, you know that you're a female, but you're no longer a girl, you're a woman. Um, I don't think it's something anyone else can tell you. It's something you have to feel for yourself. So it's beautiful that you found that. Um, but I, I just think that adaptability, it's, I don't know. I feel like that's not something that's taught to us. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that because our moms have done a bad job. I just think that the way that they were raised, I, I maybe you can tell me if it's echoed in, in your own, um, you know, childhood too, but the expectations of a woman um, as a mom and as a wife, and it's different for me than it was for her. And not in a bad way, it's just an evolutionary way. So when I look at the things that um, I've had to face going from being a young girl in the U.S., you know, my parents didn't know what that was like, and then being in a position now where I have a daughter myself that's in school, it's, it's interesting to realize those moments that you needed somebody to help you, guide you, tell you when it's, it's the right time to reflect on who you want to be or how you want to show up. But I think that adaptability really 
it's it's something that we don't get credit for. And I don't mean that because we should get, again, a gold star. I just think that, you know, going from being a, a young girl to a young woman, you know, going off on your own and then being, you know, in a position where you're supposed to be a good wife and you're supposed to be um, a good sister or friend, all those things like you learn along the journey. But sometimes I just feel like it's forgotten that you're having to adapt in so many ways. So yeah. as a professional, you know, you may come in there and not be married. You may be single or maybe you are, who knows? But in my, you know, for me, I was single. And when I started in the corporate space and the way men treat you or the way other women treat you, it's different than as you get married than the way that people treat you is different. And it's not because it's a generality. It's just, it's an interesting experience to realize that you're having to adapt. And it's sometimes it's like little baby steps. And sometimes it's big old leaps because you don't have a choice. But it, it's an interesting thing to experience. Mostly then the biggest change for me was when I became a mom. People, when I was pregnant, they would, it, it was wonderful because they would be so kind about me having like this basketball size, you know, thing happening in front of me. Um, but in the moments that they wanted to forget that I was nine and a half months pregnant, they did. And the moments that it was behooving to have a discussion about, oh, you should put your feet up. Why are you running around so much? It was just interesting. But as the person that's going through that, having to adapt, I don't know if people give you credit because one moment I'm normal, like, you know, everyday parole, and then I have a child and then you go and you have this child and everything changes. Mm. And the job I had was the same, but everything changes. And so how do you juggle all these new balls that just got thrown at you? So I don't know. I just think that as fellow women, and again, it's not against men because I think, men, you know, there's I have so many men in my life that I'm so grateful for, but I say this as a fellow woman, I can only speak to that experience because it's the one that I had. Yeah. Um, to be able to, to look at a, another woman and understand that in their journey, where they are and respecting that space that they are coming from and realizing that um, they may be going through some, you know, really either difficult, easy, doesn't matter, um, adaptation in their life and how can you support them I just think that there's a lot of um, opportunity there as, as fellow females to be able to, you know, not because we need someone to tell us to put our feet up, but to have somebody there who's cheering for you mm -hmm. in a way that allows you to continue your evolution in a positive way. Yeah. And also, um, I actually just shot another podcast episode with, with a lovely friend, Lilia, and she teaches womb wisdom and how to actually work with your cycle. Like we forget that actually we live cyclical lives because we get our period once a month. I mean, depending on what hormones you're taking, that's the norm, right? right. Um, and uh, we're actually doing a seminar with her. It's going to be the magic of PMS because like that time we have more energy and it can actually be honed and I think we're judged a lot for the cyclicalness of being a woman, or I know like I've had a fear like I, I have known since I was a kid that I want to have kids one day, right? First, first you got to find the partner, then the kids come. So I'm going in order, but, <laughs> but I've, but I've always known that about myself. And then there was this overlying fear when it came to building companies and going out and seeking investment. And I, I had this fear that was like, are people going to look at me and think like, oh, in a few years, she's going to have kids. So it's not worth it to roll the dice on her. Um, and luckily I haven't, I've had like a pretty good experience so far with that part of my life um, in terms of like people standing for me, but, but it's always been a fear. 
And I've, I've heard people talk about it before when they're hiring someone, they're like, oh, do we want to hire a woman in her like upper twenties and her early thirties? She's just getting married. Like there's going to be all this time taken off. But like, I think we need to respect the process, right? Because like, I know the first time that I hired a mother onto my team, um, I love, love, love Bridget. She, uh, onto my snack company, right? I have never seen someone multitask to the level that she does. And I think it has to do with the fact that you're managing the kids, you're still working, you're doing all these things. Like there are skills that you learn from motherhood that then upgrade you in your actual life. So I just, I want to state that I I haven't experienced it yet in my life firsthand. Um, But I just want to honor that and encourage people to to pick the lifestyle that they want and build their work around it and not, not put their life on hold for career. Because in the end of the day, like, like you said, in those last moments, what, what are you going to think about the hundreds and hundreds, thousands, I don't know, thousands and thousands of hours that you've worked or um, the life that you've created and the people that you've helped put on this planet. Absolutely. And, and even people who've crossed through your life, you know, there's people that yeah. um, have such an impact. So yeah, for sure. I, and you're absolutely right. It's um, as a, as a woman who started a new job, I was pregnant and I didn't know at the time. And so when I found out I had just started this new job and I remember the reaction I got was not what I expected. I, I mean, two of the people that I worked for actually said to me, if I'd have known, we might've made a different decision. Uh. And I remember like going home and crying, going like, well, how is that fair? And it's not. It's not very prejudice. And it's it's tough because it's not just because it's like a man. It's it's the fact that that's what people think of. And the fact that they felt like they could say that out loud is interesting. But I don't think they're legally actually allowed to say (laughs) that out loud. That's a whole other level. That's like an HR issue right there. But yeah. But there's so many in corporate spaces, right? (laughs) happening. It's almost baffling. You're like, did he just? say that oh my gosh um but it actually helped me to adapt because I was then more than determined to show them that Mm -hmm. I was the right choice yeah because it has nothing to do with the fact that I may be out for a couple of you know weeks or whatever having a baby which is a beautiful thing um my talent and my skill and me as a person I'm worth it and that's again, you know, it goes back to the whole worthiness piece, but it it would have been easier for me to go into a shell and be like, look, they're never really going to see me for who I am because I came here and I was pregnant. But instead I had a really long career there and it was, it was awesome. So, um, sometimes those nudges are not good, but they, it's that, you know, it brings up the dark side for us a little bit, but it it actually motivated me to be like, yeah, I'll show you. I'll tell you what you got. So, yeah. That actually, that brings me to our next topic, which is kind of in relation to diversity, which is a hot topic for many reasons, but something that um, I would really love to unpack with you because I know how empathetic you've been towards that concept and um, in what way can people be sensitive to diversity and how do we implement it in our daily lives and our work lives? You know, it's, you're right. It is a really big topic and it's, um, for me, I live it because I'm from a different background, right? Mm-hmm. So my name in itself creates um, perceptions for people like, oh, she must be this or she must be that. Um, what I would tell 
like the, the audience that's listening is when it comes to diversity, it's, it's back to the whole debate thing. There's no one that's right. There's no one that's wrong. It's what they believe. And if we can accept the fact that you may believe something different than the other person, whether it's religious, whether it's um, how they dress, it could be anything. Um, I think that our world deserves that. We deserve to be able to be in a place where it's okay to be wearing a sari and it's okay to be, you know, wearing um, uh, like just anything. It doesn't matter. You should be able to be who you are. And as long as the person on the inside reflects light and does good, then I really think that's all that matters. So when I work with leaders or um, even with my kids, the reminder isn't to see color because I understand that the color exists. It's to see the person. Mm-hmm. Decide if they're a good person or bad person. That delineation is allowed. You know, yeah. like that is okay. But whether they have a different skin tone or different type of hair, it makes no difference. It's who their soul, like what kind of person are they? And um, are they someone you wish to be around? And if the answer is yes, then that's all that really matters. And I, again, I, I don't think it's it's easy and it's a topic that a lot of people have very passionate opinions on, but really? as I grew up with color myself, I know what it feels like to be stereotyped or, um, you know, to be discriminated against. And, and, and it's not because I wear a trip on my shoulder, it's because it makes me sad. It makes me sad that we have to do that to people because if they would have taken two seconds to, to know me, they would have known that I wasn't worthy of that. So it still happens a lot. I get phone calls from people and I'll talk to them and they'll be like, you have no accent. Why would I have an accent? Well, because you're Indian. That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? Because I'm Indian. Well, you're Indian. All Indians have accents. Okay. All Indians don't have accents. What if I have a British accent? Like what, what does that even mean? Uh, oh, because I can understand you. Oh, here we go. So it's one of those things that like, yes, there might be a lot of people you know that are a certain way, but it doesn't mean everyone is that way. And if they would have yeah. taken time to get to know that individual, they might be surprised. So before, you know, like I said, I have clients that are in situations that are tough with diversity and things like that. The only advice I can give them as a coach is how do you want to be treated? It's the golden rule. I don't care where you're from, uh, who your mother was, you know, what's on your birth certificate, it's the golden rule. If you can treat people with the same way and respect that you wish to be treated, then that is the type of person that people want to follow. That's the type of person that makes people want to show up a certain way. So um, that would be the advice that I give. I think that's huge because oh, it's it's just, it's become such a big part of society and I, I mean we don't need to get too much into the movement and and what's happening um in the world right to not we don't want to dive too deep but at the same time I I think that it's important because I think sometimes when when we do stand up for one group we do so by playing down others and we come across this in femme because in femme like people ask me right I share what femme is and I get caught up sometimes about like femininity and masculinity or that this is for women or it's for men when really this is an open space, I would say geared towards women and the female experience of life. Um, But it is an open space and it takes me to like the feminist movement. People ask like, is this part of the feminist movement? Are you a feminist? And on one hand, like, yeah, I am a feminist, right? I'm, I'm standing up for, for women and femininity, but part of the feminist movement and part of the BLM movement, part of any movement 
they take it too far to the point where it's like, okay, because you're a feminist, it doesn't mean that you have to hate masculinity or hate men, right? And the truth is that's part of us too. So I, I honor the masculinity and the femininity within myself, all aspects of, of gender or um, like life partner preference or, or anything of that nature. It's to be on the side of one thing is not to be against its duality necessarily. Sometimes it's to accept the whole, the whole piece. And that's been, that's been a tricky part of diversity or inclusiveness in general that I, I have been getting tripped up in terms of being very specific and being able to lay our brand out on paper for them. It's been very tricky to be inclusive, but then also specific. And I'm wondering if you have any, any thoughts on that and if that relates to people and what they're going through in their, in their career and their personal lives. Absolutely. And I completely relate to what you're saying. If you believe in a certain thing, whether it's femininity versus masculinity, if it's African-American versus, you know, Caucasian, whatever you are and whatever you believe, it's okay to believe that. I just think that the part that gets difficult is when everybody wants everybody else to see it their way. Mm -hmm. And so um, hurting people, all of that is not on the table. Like if you're going to be like a jerk, then that's, that's not what I'm talking about. Like bad choices are bad choices. Um, But if I believe that I deserve whatever it may be because of where I'm from and what I believe, then I'm allowed to believe that as long as I'm not hurting anybody mm-hmm. and I realize that that's just my opinion. If other people happen to have my opinion, great. But if they don't, yeah. it doesn't mean that I'm saying that I'm more important than everybody else. Cause that's not, to me, that's not what this is about. You're exactly. absolutely right. We should be willing to understand that it doesn't mean A or B. Sometimes it could be A and B and that's okay. And also, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it totally does. And this, this line just came to me. Opinion is not truth. Opinion is your truth. Completely, perfectly said, because that's exactly what it is. It's an opinion. And um, I've found myself in many debates over religion or conversations that I thought were going to be debates. Like I said, respectful debate is something that people don't really understand the definition of. Um, where I found myself completely like blown away by the fact that there's this perception that someone is right and someone is wrong. I don't understand how that can be the case. So it's your not desire so- to elevate femininity doesn't mean that you are saying that masculinity is not okay. Like that's not what you're saying. No, and I, I actually think for, for human sake, we need to honor both. And I was in a gender studies class at Drexel and I remember, so we were learning obviously about feminism a lot and something that really surprised me that the teacher did and and I loved it that was my biggest takeaway was in order to be a feminist you actually need to be a almost like a humanist right you need to uplift people that have been suppressed due to color age sexual preference like there's no way for us to uplift part of society we actually need to uplift all of society and I think that that's part of the the spiritual awakening I think that that I think that's the intention behind the BLM movement and there are people on all ends of the spectrum that I'm sure some would agree and some wouldn't, but, but for me and with my, my intention with the light that I bring into the world, the light that I'm bringing in through fem or, or anything else that I do is really to uplift the whole human race all together. And there is judgment around that because then people say like, oh, but then you're not honoring the people that have been hurt. Like I'm Jewish and my people have been hurt for many, many centuries also. And 
some people I've met people like I've been in Ubers before where someone will ask towards the end of the conversation, like, Oh, where are you from? What are you? I would say that I'm Jewish. And they're like, Oh, like your people, they, they know money. And it's like, they know money. Okay. (laughs) My upbringing was that both sides of my family came here with nothing. And that's how my family started here. So it's, uh, it's hard sometimes. Like there, there's a lot of judgment and I just, I wish that there was more love injected. And I think that that's what we're here to do. There, there are people like us um, and people that are part of our femme community and just the larger collective and humanity. I've been reading a lot about kids um, and like the kids that are growing up now are like even their, their souls are even older than the souls of us. And they're here to really help heal. Like all of us are just being sent down here to heal what's happening on the planet. And um, it's hard. It's a big mess to clean up. It's a lot to take on. Um, but I just, I want to honor you for being one of those people because you really shine through parole. And that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast because it's, we really, we want people to come here and have a sense of healing, have a sense of empowerment. And the word, the word of the day is definitely worthiness, have a sense of worthiness to understand that they're worthy of that love and they're, they're worthy of putting that out in the world and helping to heal what's happening because we must come together in order to make sure that the generations forward can continue to live on this beautiful place that we call earth. Absolutely. And, and, you know, thank you for saying those things because it makes me feel like you see me. And I think that that's what's important too, is that we see each other for who we are. Yeah. And I think that people who take the time to truly see you, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing because it's your willingness to share that, you know, connection with someone in a way that isn't covered by smoke and mirrors, right? We do so much in life with smoke and mirrors. But what I I feel like is really important is that people realize that at the end of the day, we give what we get. And if you want to be a person who's treated a certain way and and, um, achieve certain things, then you have to be willing to give that. You have to be willing to give it to get it. And yeah, um, there's always going to be um, outliers to that statement, but it's it's what I, I coach my clients. Like if you want people to authentically believe in you as a leader, then you got to show them that you're worthy of authentically being the leader they wish to follow. Like you can't expect it and not give it. So um, as you know, someone who believes a great deal in the things that you work on um, with the fans and just human nature in general. It's just, it's important that I feel like I say that like we are what we do. And if we believe that being a good human shows up in a way that allows us to have a voice, but for ourselves and speak our truth, and then there should be a place to do that. And it's really awesome that you create that place for people so that they can, because it's not an easy place to find. Thank you. It's not an easy place to find. And the reason I created it was because I, I was looking for it in my own life. And so with Lex, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard sometimes because I think it's important to bridge spirituality with everything else that we do in life. At least for me, that that's the way that I choose to live. That's the way that I want to see the world to me. That lens is, um, it's more palatable. It's more exciting to live that way. I think it adds depth and meaning and for some people it doesn't and that's totally fine. It's really, it's not meant to be there for all people, but I think for the people that are looking for a spiritual approach, 
to multiple aspects of life that that's what we're here to create that's what we're here to do because we need a place to connect especially at a time like this like I this whole year has turned life upside down on its side I don't even know what to call it or how to express it but it's really shaken things up and it's shaken people out of their comfort zones in, in a good way, in a bad way, in many different ways. I think it's making people take a very, very close microscopic look at themselves. Um, it's almost forcing you to, right? Because you're being thrown out of your constant chaos. We don't even realize how fast our lives were moving because we were just living them and we never thought like, I, I don't know, I personally never thought that something like this would happen in our lifetime. So it's been, um, it's been eye opening, it's been difficult, it's been beautiful, it's been all the things at once um, to just go through that. And, and for me personally, FEM has been an amazing place to be able to express myself and learn and grow and like the people that I have met through this community blow my mind because they're change makers, they're light workers, they're people that are up to amazing things and that are here to serve. Um, but also part of serving is also enjoying and having fun and knowing that you deserve that fun. You're absolutely right. And it's like I said, it's really amazing that you create places like that because it's something that you needed, that you uh, open that up to other people to have it. And so all the people that participate in this process with you, like they're very lucky. And I think that it would be great if that's an example of something that other people can create more spaces for because imagine after all this is said and done all of the masks and all that maybe we get to a place where we can go back to some semblance of what we were used to I hope that the chaos doesn't come back not at the same yeah. level I hope that spending time with your family and realizing how amazing it is to get that uninterrupted time like you find reasons to have that like I I hope all of that echoes but I also hope that situations or environments like you've created that there's more that are created because of it because there's a place where other people with like-minded perspectives feel like it's an okay place to just be who they are and be seen. So I think yeah. it's awesome. To be seen, to have support, to come and express. I mean, all of those are, are key components. And when you're the type of person that's bringing a lot of energy and light to the planet, you have to make sure your cup is full so that you can keep energizing the people around you. So we're here, here to hopefully fill the cups. Well, and you're right, because I will tell you with COVID, that's been the one challenge for me is because I'm so used to giving energy and getting it from the smiles or the engagement with other people. And when you don't have that, I mean, Zoom is great. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the same as that interaction one-on-one. -on -one. And so for a few months, it got a little hard for, for someone like me because I wasn't getting the refill. I was just giving what I had. Mm. So um, you have to find places like, you know, them or just neighbors or anybody that allows you to refill and look for those people those are the people who you should surround yourself with which is where we kind of started the conversation you're worthy yeah. and you find people who are worthy of your value and they see you and they they reciprocate what you give them so that's awesome yeah. and you have a choice in that matter and um, something that you just said reminded me of something that my, my coach said this to me because you and I are both pretty extroverted. That's why we get a lot of our energy externally. Although I have been really flirting with my introverted side these past seven months. Um, what's interesting is for extroverts, we, so we gain a lot of energy, obviously from other people. A lot of extroverts have gone really deep into nature because that is a place that is filling them up. We're used to connecting with people. And now that we can't connect with the same amount of people as we used to, 
connecting with like trees and fresh air and flowers has been really, it's been personally helpful for me. So I just wanted to share that with you or anyone else that's an extrovert or an introvert. I just think grounding in nature in general um, is a saving grace during this time. It's really great advice. And you're right. Every time I go for a hike or walk with my family or even by myself, I feel 10 times better because I feel like somebody, something in the universe just gave me back my energy. So um, that's really great advice. Yeah, it's important that we find ways to fill up our tank because it's really hard to keep exuding and putting out energy and putting out energy, which is what we've gotten so used to and good at. And another thing is, I get you said not to return back to the chaos. It's interesting because I noticed like some days I'll plan like a lot of meetings and I go from meeting to meeting and I'm like, oh, this is too much for quarantine. But the truth <laughs> is, it's just too much for life. Like, I don't even know how I was doing what I was doing pre COVID. Like, running here and running there and just it was so hectic and chaotic and I thought it was normal and it was it was my norm it just wasn't a healthy norm and just want to encourage people to take some inventory of their lifestyle and the way that they plan their days out because it's um you can get a lot more done sometimes if you have less things to do you can go deeper on those tasks absolutely and and prioritizing it that way so um, I've always done virtual sessions, for example, with my clients. And a lot of times I do it face-to-face -face if they're local. I have you know, some across the U.S. that that's not an option. But what I would say is this, after COVID, this whole situation, which again, I keep hoping that there's a time when we can sit and have a conversation that's post-COVID, not yeah. pre-COVID. Um, but I feel like being able to, um, I don't know how to explain it, but just taking the time to realize that if I want to do a virtual session, I just saved two hours of my life of traveling somewhere. It's okay to make those choices. It's okay yeah. to say like, you know what, today or every Thursday, it's okay if I don't go everywhere and run around like a crazy person. And I'm hopeful that people, to your point, take inventory and create um, circles within for their lives that they wish to stay within. Like, this is how I want it to be versus how everybody expects you to be. Like, yeah. I mean, so and set, and set right, boundaries on your time and energy is key and it's hard sometimes because people have expectations of us we have expectations of ourselves um, but it's really key to know yourself and your energy and the way that you want to live your lifestyle absolutely and that's something that we can look at COVID as a kind of a catalyst for everybody if you want it to be you can make it a negative and Yes, there's so much about this that's still very stressful. Like when I wear a mask, I think I have small anxiety attacks because it's just, it's hard to see our society in that way. But yeah. at the end of the day, there's so much good that's come from this too. So, yeah. Yeah, and that, that takes me to the phrase, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of what you do with it. Absolutely. One, I mean, equaling the 100%. <laughs> maybe maybe the um I I don't even know where that ratio came from it definitely came from a book at some point but it just it makes so much sense because we watch we are literally in history in the making right something happened to collective society it's happening in countries maybe differently it's it, and people feel different about it but something just happened to the whole world at the same time and that's super rare. And people are responding. Some people are reacting and some people are responding and they're doing so in such a plethora of different ways. And I'm both sad and excited. 
it, exactly. It depends on which way you wish to see the pendulum swing. But yeah, it is interesting. There's definitely moments in any given day where I'm like, this sucks, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I want to go back. I haven't been to a mall in like eight months. Can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs> or a really great restaurant and not felt like I needed to bring my own straw. Like, it's just weird. Like I, I missed that part of life, but I also, I think it's how we wish to see it. And the fact that the world has gone through this for me to be able to speak to my mother-in-law in India and know that she feels my pain here. It's, it's an interesting connection that wasn't there before also. Yeah. So how we wish to use it and how we want to um, either grow from it or, uh, you know, uh, dissect it and think it through. It doesn't matter, but the point is do something with it. Don't just do nothing with it and go back to how exactly how you were before, because we're not those people. We've all changed. Yeah, we've all been forced to change and then exactly. some of us did it by choice. Yeah. It kind of reminds me like the last thing that was of this magnitude that happened that I can remember was 9-11. I was a kid when that happened, but something that I just remember so vividly was in that chaos, in that pain, when something happened to all of America, America came and stood together. I wonder if this is God's way of making people stand together. And I hope that they, however they wish to see it, however they feel like it came about, that they do something unifying because of it. Like just, you know, what are you, whatever people believe in, it is what it is. And this is the yeah. moment we're all standing in. So what are you going to do about it? Right? Like, do I, um, like those stories, you know, even in the beginning where people couldn't get toilet paper or uh, mm -hmm. antibacterial, like I remember like my son was, um, delivering it to everyone's house. I'm like, what are you doing? It's like a commodity right now. He's like, yes, but it's a commodity for everybody. So he was, you know, like, and it's an opportunity for all of us to realize that it's the small gesture sometimes, but standing together doesn't have to be like um, some big, huge kumbaya. It can actually just be the fact that we're willing to stand next to each other and accept each other for who we are and, you know, embrace that in the moment. I think it's pretty awesome that we have that as a, as a world right now. And I hope that people take this opportunity to do just that yeah oh cruel I love 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 all of this um I just wanted to say thank you for your time your energy uh, is there anything else that you want to share and also how can people connect with you reach out to you absolutely so I if it's okay I'll send you my info and you can um send it along with when the podcast goes out sure. but um beyond getting in touch with me, here's what I hope that they take from this conversation. Beyond the fact that everyone is worthy, if you want to live a certain life, then that's the life you should lead. And you do that by living a golden rule. And if you can live your life, whether it's with your family, yourself, your friends, it doesn't matter. If you can live that way, that's what leadership is. And leadership isn't about the person who's a CEO. Leadership is about being able to lead other people. So lead other people and be that catalyst and remember that people are watching and they're they're looking for someone to follow. Would you like them to follow you? And if the answer is yes, then the following comes from being the type of leader that people want to follow. Mm. Oh, that was so juicy and great. It's so <laughs> true because you don't you don't have to be the CEO, but people are always watching. Your friends are watching, your neighbors are watching. Even subconsciously, people are just tapped into your energy. So if you're the stand-up type of person that that inspires or just creates an example that that you would want to see in the world that's leadership exactly and 
in this time of change and um, opportunity for reflection, like I really hope that people take the time to do it because like I said, as a coach, my job is to help leaders grow. To me, leaders are not defined by their positional power. They're defined by the fact that they create a space for people that is safe and comfortable for them to grow and to develop and they want to follow you. So I know for a fact, I've had to follow people that I didn't want to, but that goes back to the whole piece. Like you don't have to follow people you don't want to. You are worthy of deciding what works for you and how you want to get to the top of your mountain. So you want to climb alone, fine. And you want to follow a great leader, fine. Just don't follow the person that you don't trust because if you don't, then you're actually just wasting everybody's time. Yeah, that is the cold, hard truth. You tell it how it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, thank you, Michelle, for making time for this conversation. You're right, it's inspiring, even for me, to be able to not <laughs> only share some of my stories, but just to be able to remind myself that doing good and trying to be good, is, it's what we're all, that's what connects us, and that's what connects you and I, and you know, yeah. so many people around us. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to share um, my energy and my my experience and my amazing motherly uh, advice about telling the kids <laughs> you're sorry for screwing up. Um. Okay, that's key though. That's key because a lot of people feel like they need to be the superhero in their home and they can't show people their faults. But I think the people I personally look up to the most are the ones that can own up to their faults because that's part of being human. Absolutely. And if you knew how many times my kids put me in timeout, you would actually probably laugh a lot. So <laughs> when they were younger, they'd be like, you go in timeout. You know what? You're right. I'm going to go sit in timeout. Like, timeout, personal time. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm going to sit on the stand and think about my behavior. <laughs> anyway, th thanks a lot, Michelle. And thank you too for all. And thank you everyone else for tuning in. Um, if you have any thoughts about this, please feel free to reach out on our Instagram and Pearl, what's your, your Instagram? Is it scope perspective? Scope perspective. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Feel free to reach out to Pearl. I'm not saying this to toot her horn, but if you need an amazing coach, someone that's going to stand with you and walk your path with you, please do reach out. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode. As always, we are here to support you with fierce and flourishing energy. To learn more about our FemFam community and all of the gifts it has to offer, check out our website, www.femfam.com, F3MFAM.com, or on our Instagram, Flourishing Feminine Founders. And to dive deeper into community connection and support, we invite you to join a FemPod. Pods are our social mission here at FEM, and they are the seedling of this entire entity. And what they are are groups of five FEMs that come together to consistently dive deep into many aspects of life, from relationships and mental health to business. It is a community care model that allows you to explore the depths of your personality in a safe and non-judgmental container. A container where you give and receive unconditional support and develop deep bonds with other like-hearted humans please reach out to us via flourish at femfam.com. That's F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H at F-3-M-F-A-M.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Love, peace, and many blessings.